everybody. Welcome to a very cozy final 372 pages we'll never get back episode of 2023. Me and Mike uh, read bad books on this podcast and we're reading uh, a bad one right now. <laughs> oh, and uh, wow. I, I don't think anything like this has ever, well, it hasn't. Nothing like this has ever happened that we know of. No, I was trying to think of, you know, the, the biggest events in the history of the podcast and it's just been a, a while, you know, but uh, I think finding out that Charles Kim had, had rewritten Super Constitution is among the weirder things that has happened up there. But yeah. we've, I think we have a top three situation um, on our hands right now. <laughs> uh, there's no reason to dance around it. Uh, a, a listener of ours, uh, Jory, was doing some research into, I guess, when you when you order these books that are, um, you know, Amazon print on demand which, you know, a lot of the books we've covered on here have been. They come with a, you know, a, a, this book was printed in, like, you know, Delaware or probably someplace closer to you. This, this one I'm holding here was Middletown, Delaware. But then I think Jory might be in Finland or something. He was like, uh, why does this book, you know, in the front of it say printed in the USA and Europe or something like that? So he's like, is this a boilerplate copyright page? He Googled that. And then he found uh, just an example of another book that used the page on Amazon, which is uh, How to Write and Market a Christmas Cozy Mystery. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding it up right now by T. Lockhaven. That's a, uh, a, stand. I'll be right back. <laughs> a pseudonym. And uh, I guess he went to, to um, T. Lockhaven's the Amazon page for this book. And he found uh, screenshots of it, or like the look inside the podcast type of thing. Mike is uh, rearranging his entire desk, it appears. Sorry, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> but so, so this is a, you know, it's a, a gut book of prompts and writing exercises. You know, what people like about Amazon Cozy Mysteries. It sort of, you know, gives you uh, examples of reviews, what people didn't like. It seems like a helpful book. It also gives you some, uh, some examples. <laughs> Or some uh, outlines of how to write cozy mysteries that has uh, this one uh, for something that he's calling a ho-ho horrible death. Um, for example, it uh, has, a, has a house that's buzzing with activity as guests arrive. There's a crowd of people gathered around the piano singing jingle bells and a line of people filling their glasses with eggnog. Uh, Jane, the proprietor of this place, has even hired... 82-year-old Walter Kringle <laughs> to read the night before Christmas before to the children. Uh, suddenly, there's a scream from the back of the house. Carol Baxter, hands in the air, rushes into the living room. He's dead, she screams. Santa is dead. Uh, the, the trauma doctor rushes over, kneeling beside Walter. She places two fingers <laughs> on his carotid, carotid artery. There is no heartbeat. He's dead. So this is a... Uh, <laughs> this goes on for for about eight pages of laying out uh the the outline he calls it of this whole uh thing that has uh maybe santa opened the wrong door and caught pastor white and jillian ross being romantic uh did something more nefarious happen did santa get into a tussle <laughs> mm -hmm. these words might sound familiar uh the it has describes this as the uh the sheriff investigating um walter was old after all seniors fall a lot the front of Walter's beard is brittle with dyed eggnog. <laughs> so he, he, he lays out like a very specific, uh, I mean, it go, goes on and on. She's missing her watch and earrings. Um, she creates a, a, a whiteboard uh, of, with the guest names on it. You can do this too for fun, he says. Um, 
you know, <laughs> it, it, we'll cover things as we read them out of this chapter. But essentially, the, uh, the this is what the author used to write the book. Um, I don't want to say it's, you know, uh, I don't want to drop a, a plagiarism thing on it because... <laughs> What think, was the definition? Well, of it? I think this guy says, like, you know, so for another example, one he says, uh, let's create a murder together. Here's a storyline you can use based on the weightlifting incident. I, I feel like a lot of times a book like this would be like, this is a Creative Commons thing. Anything in here, adapt it on your own, remix it type of thing. I don't, he didn't explicitly say that, but. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I, my reaction is saucy, saucy, saucy. Yeah. It's, I mean... Come on. <laughs> oh, and this was good, too. As we enter Act 3 with the stakes high, Jane's life is threatened, and the rest of, and one of her party attendees is a murderer. Parentheses. Oh, another name for this story could be A Killer Christmas Party. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, uh, I, uh, so I'll just, say plagiarism. Come on. So, <laughs> At some point, once he's wrapped it all up, you know, he's he's given, you know, he's told her how to end it. You know, it's exactly as it happens in the book. Almost exactly. Uh, but he says, again, this is your world. Let your imagination fly and have fun. <laughs> so that's so just... we've seen the extent of her imagination, I guess. <laughs> well, I will, you know, Uncle Kid, I think, is a creator, a, cre a creation of hers. I like Uncle Kid. But, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> unprecedented in the uh, annals of this podcast is this uh, type of situation happening. We always I, worry these things are going to be AI generated, yeah. but this is so much better than that could have even possibly having happened. If we were, if this were a long book, would we shut it down? Oh, uh, brother, I think so. There's just so much. I mean, this is delightful that this happened on yeah, a 14,000 was... word book, but yeah, it's a little, uh, I don't know. You don't want to reward, you know, who, who cares? It's not that big of a reward, but it's, you don't want to encourage this. I'm sure that people yes. have already, uh, you know, <laughs> do not reach out to this person, obviously, but uh, it, uh, it's a funny situation, I think. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it. I find it rather, rather shocking. Yeah. I mean, we know you... You write a paper in grade school and you copy from the encyclopedia. The teacher just immediately is like, hey, I yeah. just went to the same library you have access to. Right. And I found the same thing. You can't do that. I, we all know you can't just do that. But it's also, you know, you, you go to the encyclopedia, you go to Wikipedia, you do the, uh, you, you do the rewording. Yeah, you, you just put it in your own words. Flip the sentence around. She didn't even bother. No, that's, <laughs> that's what I mean. There's eggnog in his beard. There's evil-looking <laughs> knives. That was from this uh, how-to book, the evil-looking knife from later on. Wow. Um, I, I did think that there was a chance that this might be the origin of all the confusion about the ants and stuff like that. But that's that's purely her invention. That's so, her. That's, you know. so what she brought to it was the most confusing <laughs> sentence in all of 372 pages history that's her touch yeah that's yeah. Her, wow. her little uh but uh, she, you know it, it does explain things like we were puzzled as to why these texans would be drinking eggnog on a 75 year old day it's because uh t lockhart told her to <laughs> and there wasn't a way to switch that up to a more regionally appropriate uh, seasonal beverage uh, she didn't seem to like sort of feather the edges of where she wrote and where he wrote by cop. She just sort of like, I'll just chunk it in there and then we'll explain that it's too warm to drink eggnog right now. But, uh, yeah. you know, so 
There wasn't a lot of fine sanding, is what I'm saying, between yeah, the joints of the material. And once you realize that this has happened, all the other stuff that she sort of did add in does seem a lot more clumsy. Like, for example, he... I, I very much skimmed this book, but uh, he was like, you should give your character, uh, you know, an occupation. And this is a way to, you know, introduce more details, but it also will give them special talents they can use. I don't remember. I mean, you know, Cinnamon was a baker, so she was entering the gingerbread contest, etc. Uh, she, oh, she does op- operate a bakery in this book, remember? It's uh, crust the and crust jam. crust and jam, I'm, sure. Sure. Very, but, but once you realize that all that is there just because this guy told her to... Uh, it's like, oh, yeah, that doesn't really have any impact on this book. She's never seen operating it or setting foot into it. No customers appear. She doesn't interact with them. It's just something that she does entirely off camera. <laughs> she does, and she has to uh, stay in that particular room so she can get up early to head off to Crust and Jam. <laughs> exactly. Which doesn't then factor in in the least. Yeah, I believe it's mentioned twice, and one of them is in this section. So Yes. So yes, if you if you were up on that from the uh, podcast Discord, I'm sure this does not come as news to you. But it's uh, I think that this buying the book went to see how deep it got. It, it does cover the entire climax of the book. Um, I'll I'll specify the things as we get to them because I don't want to ruin some of the surprises because there's some funny surprises. But it's a, uh, a probably a stunning revelation for everybody else, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. It's uh, it's impressive. Oh, saucy is all I have to say. I am disappointed in you. <laughs> I expected more from you. Yeah. Um, well, we can get into it then, I guess. It's uh, it's up to you if you want to read this. It doesn't seem like the guy has provided a... It's a thick book. You know, it's sort of written in that Dwight David Thrash big, big thing and has a large font, but it's got, you know, it's got exercises and stuff. So if you were d- deciding to do this, it might be the uh, the book to pick up. So as we go forward, we're just attributing all of this to three people then sussy and isn't there two authors on that book there was on amazon i think him and his this is a pen name i think they do write you know uh, their own mysteries oh but that one's just a single name it says t lockhart uh, okay, Lockhaven, t. So. okay. T. Lockhaven. <laughs> uh and yeah I'll, I'll try to chime in with where things came from because you know okay. all uh, the, the characters a lot of the characters that are texans came from here but the, the, everything that's involved in the actual plot is directly from this book okay <laughs> well, there we go. We pick up at uh, chapter eight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which starts with, we, we'll delve back into this, but it starts with the sentence, back to square one, Uncle Kid, the ants, Marisol, Simon, and I were all sitting on our ki- in our kitchen eating biscuits and jam and drinking our moving coffee. So the ants, as we discussed, includes her mother. Um, and we ran a Patreon poll about this, which generated a lot of discussion I think 33, it was like one third people said, yeah, that's her mom. The other two thirds said, no, it's not. But <laughs> Jason, it's also addressed at the end of the book. Oh, it uh, is. Yes. It is. Clums, Saul very, yes. Well, I don't think so. I don't think. That, okay. I think, I think that it's, it's obviously her mom. Otherwise it's even weirder. It is not obvious from the writing that that's the case. It's right. grammatically miserable and it's not clear even when she tries to address it at the end of the book. However, Jason a listener wrote in and said on Sussie's Facebook page, she describes her, her new book thusly currently. And tell me if there's a better way to describe this. Currently two great granddaughters have quit their career as a chef and a magazine journalist in Austin to come back to their grandfather's farm to help their mother and their uncle, but to also to create the place of their dreams. Wow. 
two two great granddaughters. I don't <laughs> I don't believe the grandfather is still alive. I guess he died. But who is the great grandfather that's mentioned here? The guy that built the hacienda? I guess so. I guess so wait, we're all if you're someone's great grandchildren, if your great grandchildren, your relation to the other great grandchild could be quite quite distant, right? True. Yes. <laughs> so there's there's got to be a relationship that's closer to that. It's like using instead of just using a number, saying you know two plus two plus eight plus six plus seven. Like yeah. that's a number. It's twenty four. Come on. <laughs> uh, so that's yeah. So that's a fascinating way to describe this, but. In theory, it does solve the mystery, even though it's like in, you know, like deep Star Wars lore that you have to look in one of the uh, novels or something at to find out who Chewbacca's great grandfather is. <laughs> oh, who was Itchy? Well, Itchy, yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> I guess we do know that. But his great grandfather, we That's don't know. That I could mean, be yeah. scratchy or, uh, you know, <laughs> fatty. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so they wipe the uh, first seven chapters out because they've failed. Uh, oh, Santa was killed at their hacienda. I don't. The sure, plot is sure. Not, yeah. I don't, I don't if you're joining that. us for the first time, this is a, a quite the one to to jump in on. And the crust and jam owner uh, and owner of the hacienda is uh, on the case because the indifferent sheriff who frustrates the hell out of her <laughs> with his indifference. But oh my gosh, that delicious smile. <laughs> Which we gave you a little sample of last week. and We did. And everyone did. agreed that it was very delicious. Very so Thank delicious. you, Connor. <laughs> uh, but then she says, okay, so uh, we've updated our suspect, her whiteboard. Uh, that leaves us with the developer, Paul. So the developer, developer. Paul Come. Turner. <laughs> so there you go. Oh. And Pastor Reed and Laureen Reynolds. Or possibly we're missing, overlooking someone else. <laughs> you don't say. Seems like a real tight affair you got going with this whiteboard. <laughs> You're already acknowledging. Or it could have been someone else who murdered him. I don't know. Look, look, T. Lockhaven said they had to have a whiteboard. So even though it only has three people on it, you need a whiteboard. <laughs> That's how these work. Oh, yeah. She's not exactly Sherlock here. We are on the hunt. She strides uh, over her own couch. Let's go. If she was, if she did start smoking a pipe, yeah, T. Lock Abe was like, "Yeah, in the second act, have him start smoking a pipe. That'll confound your reader." And uh, but then she refers to Aunt Lucy again. Aunt Lucy looked like the cat who caught the canary. She's like, oh, mom, uh, she she said she and Aunt Lindy had been asking around town, and they uh, found out that um, information about Paul Turner that he was like, you know, harassing the council to try to get this development passed. And they revealed this. I thought this was interesting. They said, "What do we really know about?" Oh, sorry. What do we, you what, said. Do we, what do we really know about Paul Turner? <laughs> Asked Uncle Kid, and they say, not much. He doesn't live here, but he has plans to build on the property just past Sunflower Farms that sit on the bluff overlooking Lake Travis. So I don't know where he lives. I guess, you know, he's one <laughs> of those. Know. He was at the Christmas party, so he, he probably has some place in town that he stays. Yeah, I don't know. But, oh, so she, yeah, I didn't realize that Paul Turner <laughs> didn't live in town. <laughs> He brings the photo mat there, but he just doesn't. He doesn't want to live there. Oh, he's one how of could the you fancy out of towners, huh? How could you run a town if you don't live there? Uh, so they consider. Uh, so now we need to go out. Simon's not a risk taker. I like the, that. The professor. He he's, always plays by again. The rules. He's just sitting there, like what? Even Simon dressed up. Why? Why do you even have me in this book? Look. Why? I, I, you told me to dress up for the party, and I always play by the rules. I had to dress up. <laughs> right. 
Uh, so he says, go ahead, but do you think it would be safe to break and enter? Well, I don't feel Ed will mind, especially if we find a clue about his death. Just to be on the safe side, I'll wear some gloves so no one will know I've been there. Uncle Kid backed me up and said, I'll go with you for a little support. And he chuckled. <laughs> this could be fun. <laughs> for some reason, Uncle Kid suddenly getting excited about this. Like, we're running a hacienda. Does anyone need to stay back and do anything? Like, right. I don't know. Let's just go have some fun. What the hell? This million-dollar renovation could wait a couple more days. That's right. I, he's, is he doing the run his run his hair hand through his greasy hair? Type yeah, of thing? he's putting a rubber band in his. This could be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and as they're there, so they're going. I also like that she says, "I don't feel like Ed will mind." Yeah, the dead man. Yes, he's probably not taking a lot of offense to things going on these days. <laughs> uh, but then Marisol is uh, says while they're doing that, she plans to do some research into Paul Turner, which I just presumed involved uh, you know calling his bank up and asking politely for his social security sure. number. <laughs> but it's even better. She she does it. Uh... On the internet, but we'll, yes. we'll get well, to she's, that. She's a former reporter. That's true. Uh, this is just a pet peeve, but as long as, look, she read the book so she should know better, and I'm assuming the writer does not recommend this. They go up to Ed's house, and here's the sentence. We parked at the end of the alley behind Ed's home and walked down the alley and crossed his backyard to his back door. Yeah. As, as a writer, like musically in in your ear, you can't hear alley and back like that many times in a row. Stop exactly. it. <laughs> That's a very good point. It's extremely clumsy. Even when you sometimes have to like have like uh you know the same word back to back because that's what you're saying. I don't have an example, yes. but like it, yeah. it may, yeah, it does. It immediately sets your hackles up, and words should be flagging that for these people. Mm -hmm. And then you get a great Uncle Kidism as they're uh, about oh, to yes. break and enter. <laughs> Uncle Kid says. Calm down. You're as jumpy as spit on a hot skillet. That's <laughs> so is a that saying, for... Uncle Kid. You're just free the ball and now you're not. <laughs> Go get a new skillet once you've tested that. <laughs> and Who's... then he, yeah, who's spitting on it? Why? <laughs> but he's also we learn he's a uh, pocket knife guy. So he takes out his pocket knife, which I assume he refers to as like a blade. You know, yes. I've, I've always got my blade. You always got to have a blade with you. And then he does the uh, he does the uh, credit card Jimmy, the detective credit card Jimmy into the door. The back door was locked, but Uncle Kid took out his pocket knife and used it to slip the space between the door and the frame. Within just a few moments of the night, he had the door open. And I just thought, well, Judge Ed obviously never sent anyone to the big house or anything, did he? He was not concerned <laughs> at all about security. Just like had just the whatever uh, whatever you got laying around in the hardware store. Um, you are a judge. You're sending people to the penitentiary. Uh, that seems to be a thing that people hold grudges against. Like, yeah, I'm not yeah. worried about it. You got easy alley access to your house. People, that <laughs> tends to be where criminals enter from. Uh, felons, they don't really care about the law. I don't, look, just whatever. Just the standard brass, whatever aluminum thing, just put it on there. Vic uh, retribution ain't a problem if you just send him to the chair. That's what Judge Ed always <laughs> said. Jaywalking chair, <laughs> Betty yep. shoplifting chair. Then you, that way you don't have to upgrade your lock. It's a roundabout solution. But uh, I, I thought this was confusing too. Uh, we We put the gloves on that I had brought from my bakery, crust and jam. Um, 
might be the last mention of it. I told Murphy to sit by the back door. She's also brought her dog along with them because he's a good lookout. Uh, Ed had left the central heat on when he left for the party. It, it was specified that it was exactly, it was 75 degrees, correct? Mm-hmm. Just making sure. And now the house was toasty. <laughs> Also, again, nitpicking on the writing. Ed had left the central heat on when he left for the party, and now the house was toasty. Those separate things? Like, how long does it... This is the next day, right? Yes. I mean... It just bugs me. The word and is just not what she meant there. (laughs) Uh, And then she gets a... I think some of this was from uh, Realer Fanfic, but she listens to his answering machine. Um, The first one is about to... You know, he's playing Santa somewhere else, so he's playing Santa all around town. Um, and then the second message was from someone angry. Ed, this isn't over. I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> I looked at Uncle Kid. The caller didn't need to leave his name. We both do that angry voice. It was Paul Turner. And it was either Paul Turner or it was the developer. Oh, wait, they're the same guy. I, I keep forgetting. <laughs> that comma wow. confuses me every time. And this message must have been long distance since he doesn't live here. So that's, <laughs> that's a, right. amazing. Uh, he, a costly threat he made here. And then uh, the dog starts growling because someone's coming up to the front door. Um, Murphy's low growling alerted to us someone coming to someone coming in the front door. Very dramatic. How are they going to escape? So we tiptoed out. As we closed the door behind us, we heard voices at the front door of someone unlocking it. And so they easily escape whoever this might be. We did a variety of 80s dance moves and we left. <laughs> what more do you need? Uh, but Uncle Kid says this, very disappointed. Uncle Kid listened and said, just say that you've heard rumors, plus give him the information that Marisol found. That should be enough for him to start investigating Paul Turner. Where, where's the folksiness? Yeah. Uncle, Uncle Kid, what the hell? That was yeah, just I... like a, a solid statement of fact. <laughs> why, why is it like, hell, even a raccoon who slipped his head into a dog hole knows that, you know, you got it. That's, that's, come on, <laughs> sussy. Rumors, rumors around town like a uh, whistle stop that ain't got the cap on it. <laughs> yeah, like crap through a tin horn. This thing's turning. You know, you got to have something. But yeah. he, just, he just gives information, flat information. <laughs> and the uh, what he says, the information Marisol found is that uh, Paul Turner, as the developer, is uh, super leveraged to the hilt. His last project was a bust, so he like really needs to land this new development in order to, you know, not go bankrupt, I guess. So he's uh, desperate to make it happen. Yeah, she learned that on the internet, right? Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> she went to, uh, is Paul, uh, what is it, Paul? Paul Turner. Developed. Paul Turner, leverage to the hilt.com. Yes. The uh, yes. But it's, it's very funny, though, that, like, they've got him on, he's already on his answering machine going, I'm going to end you, old man. I'm going to push you into a bed frame so hard. And then she's like, I've just discovered he actually doesn't like the judge. Like, yeah, yeah, we, we're ahead of you on that. He's in a bit of financial trouble. Now Now we can really get the uh, sheriff involved. Uh, which she does go. She goes to talk to the hot sheriff who frustrates her so much. Um, and he he's, I guess, a little more willing to listen now. Um, he says, I, I suppose that would be a motive for a murder. <laughs> and then she, uh, she mentions that, you know, he's bankrupt. And then I like this sentence. It's just real, like, Texas lawman stuff. Um, said the sheriff, crossing his arms over of his chest. Is he capable of murder? <laughs> <laughs> but his sheriffness was proved beyond a doubt because this is in the middle of a murder investigation, right? It's hot. Yeah. You got to, yeah, you have to act quickly on these things, right? Or time slips away. 
Uh, so she says Aunt Lucy and Aunt Lindy have heard rumors that Paul Turner, the developer, is in deep financial trouble. His response, who's Paul Turner? (laughs) (laughs) The prime suspect. (laughs) The richest man in town? Like, what what, what have you been doing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the, you know... In the book, in the uh, T. Lockhaven book, he does talk about how, like, the guy is sort of dismissive at first, probably because she's an amateur sleuth. But, you know, you need to have some sort of motivation for why he might be dismissive. Hers is, T. Lockhaven told me to do it, so that's why it's so <laughs> frustrating that he keeps being this dumbass who's checked out and, like, playing with a Rubik's Cube or something while she's trying to talk to him. <laughs> Who is that? Oh, sure. Oh, the developer. Yep, yeah. Hope he gets that approved. Oh, her, the ham-fistedness of her being frustrated by him. He's so, oh, he just bugs me so much, but he's so delicious. Oh, I can't be saying this. It's so bad. <laughs> and it, it it ends with some of that, too, because he says, like, thank you for bringing this to my attention. You have a real knack for sniffing out crime, don't me, don't I? And she's sort of like, I don't know about a knack, but I think, like, to think that would try to look at all the possibilities before jumping to a conclusion. He laughed and didn't seem to take offense at my backhanded criticism. <laughs> he even said, when we get this all worked out, would you be interested in having coffee with me? Maybe. End of chapter. <laughs> when we get this all worked out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, when we pin this on some schlub and, uh, you know, a drifter, we, you know, send him to the chair as is my want. That's, so uh, yeah, let's have some coffee. We're going to send this uh, Pablo Thomason to the chair. <laughs> Paul Turner. Who's that now? God I still have uh, like a grief counselor at my property for anyone who was out there and who's them or their children witnessed this type of thing. I am not interested in dates at the moment. Again, the cleanup crew isn't even there yet. The blood is still being tested. Yeah, it is a biohazard. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so that's she does have a knack for ending chapters, I think. And that brings us to chapter nine. Oh, she does. I'm sorry. She mentions the uh, after getting all the preparation finished for the next morning's crowd at Crust and Jam. So there's a crowd. There's a crowd that travels to her bakery every day. It's just mentioned in very, very much uh, ignored for the for the rest of the book. Running a very recently revamped, right? Totally redone. I assume that it was, you know, if you're she real. talks later about guests. So right. this is an active working hacienda. They're having a retreat, the, the uh, scrapbooking retreat soon. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, but enough of that. We don't need to hear any details of the bakery. That's just a uh, little color sprinkled in uh, based on the advice from this book. But then uh, in the middle of the night, she's awoken uh, by uh, a sound from outside. And then a someone takes out one of the security cameras that I think Dale or some, some, someone had installed in the, uh, in the beginning of the book. Yeah, Dale, I think. She needed something for protection and remembered I had a baseball bat in my closet. That's just something you can remember, right? That's what I have. She remembered? This is her primary means of defense in this hacienda, and she just remembered it? Oh, right. Uh, and so she goes outside to investigate this, um, failing to alert anybody about this before. And then we get... Uh, uh, you know, a very, very uncharacteristic sentence for the rest of the book, but one I very much appreciated. I think my, you're probably going to have the same as mine, but go ahead. My heart squeezed in my chest, and I struggled to catch my breath. The chilly wind blew my robe back from my neck, chilling my breasts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what the hell is that doing in here? Uh, Grandpa No should be followed by Settle Down Grandma, I guess. Yeah, right. There we go. Settle Down Grandma. Wow. Uh, 
Yeah. Going to need to know, uh, you know, a little more details of how old this person is, how, you know, we haven't had any other physical descriptions ever before I can really appreciate this. Yes, but... <laughs> we've had none, none whatsoever. Didn't uh, Cinnamon was constantly talking about her looks? I right? think so. Like, you know, putting on makeup and, you know, being, I think yeah, she was being other a people... dork as a kid. Like... Yeah, they had others going like, oh, stop it. You're so beautiful. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, she just couldn't realize it. And then the guy who returned to town finally did. Yes. But, so we have chilled breasts in this one. That's our description of our, of our hero. And, uh, wow, the mystery really thickens here. Because Marisol and Simon, Simon rushed out, even Simon rushed outside? <laughs> wow. pretty well... dangerous stuff for him. I'm sure he had... He had on like those uh, leather, you know, slipper, mule slippers and like a full robe and like an ascot and everything. The Scrooge cap. Yeah. Yes, He's exactly. A candle. <laughs> I don't normally come outside, but I saw chilled breasts and immediately ran out. <laughs> under the crashed security camera lay a rock with a note under it that read, Back off or you're next. My hands trembled as I explained what had happened. I explained. Someone <laughs> threw a rock at the security <laughs> camp. And you know as much as I do. Yeah. Uh, but that cracked me up. Yeah. <laughs> Good aim by the uh, by the perpetrator. I thought she was uh, you know, woken up to hear the, you know, multiple crashes like son of a I'm, God, I missed it again. Yes. Gotta find some more rocks rooting around in the garden. Oh a, a snake. All right, got a rock. Ah, God damn it, I hit the window. God, these rose thorns really are sharp. I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. My blood's on the scene now. <laughs> but then, no, first one, he's also attached a note to the rock reading back up your necks, which could affect the aerodynamics of it. But uh, also, uh, Simon uh, has explored more around as he did this, notices her car, and someone has slashed all her for tires. So that's probably uh, close to, you know, two grand in damages here, a security camera that's and true. a whole set of new tires. I presume she has a huge truck since she's in Texas. Right. And, uh, uh, yes, she gets the, she puts the, uh, uh spare tires in the back of her car, uh, all, uh, roadhouse. Cause she knows that they're going to slash her tires. <laughs> uh, you may bring up a point though, that I didn't think about the, uh, note on the rock, mm -hmm. uh, encyclopedia Brown would have been all over that. Like the oh, arrow wow. and the, was it a ring or something? Yeah. The, or was it a diamond? It was a shot huge diamond. Attached to the thing up the stairs, <laughs> out the window into a tree that nearly hit someone. Yeah, and that so wasn't the crime. Maybe those two corroborated. Huh? Look, if you're going to attach things to things that aren't aerodynamic, here's how you do it. Oh, man, if she had just taken the, you know, plagiarized part from Lockhaven, part from Sobel, that would have been the best oh, thing. Oh, yeah. I think someone would have been trolling us on this thing. But we picked, we had a list of 12 books you heard us in real time, and I wasn't even like super, I, this wasn't one of my top choices, and it happened to be the best possible choice we could have made. <laughs> Speaking of arrows, she does. Uh, she noticed a whooshing in the wind and noticed the blow-up snowman was heaving and rippling in the north wind. I would have bet $100 it was never mentioned again. So kudos to the author there. Yeah, and she brings in the uh, the actual perpetrators are at least mentioned again. Yes. I yeah, don't think anything comes of it, but they yeah, are at least mentioned. Yes. They're not really caught and doesn't really affect anything, but it's uh, it does come up. Uh, but then they, you know, they talk about going to the sheriff again, and she says... Our narrator says, so far, he had shown no belief that Ed's death was a murder. Now he clearly regarded this as a homicide. <laughs> yes, he did. Just back at the end of the last chapter, <laughs> yes. right? He was starting to come around, yeah. So what, Once know. he heard the death threat. <laughs> yes. No, shown no belief. He just showed belief. 
Saucy, pick Lockhart's book up again. And, yes, and right. Read. You skipped a page. You skipped something. <laughs> you, you, your copy and paste didn't work. Uh, but the sheriff does come up and he says, like, okay, you guys are serious. I realize I haven't been too attentive to your concerns. It's like, yeah, what the hell was wrong with you? You don't. You didn't even explain why. But then she says, he says, do you know of anyone else that might want to harm you? Not really. Most of our suspect list is based on rumors. So I don't want to accuse <laughs> anyone at this time. It's like, what? Come on. Rumors and hearsay are, are known for hell, handing up in court. That's uh, it's that's like, all uh, she ever says. She says we heard rumors or there was gossip in town, and so therefore, I, I would be dismissive too. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> these people all hate each other. Yeah, this could be a stop spreading this rumor about me. I'm the local pastor, like type of uh, yes. type of threat here. Um, but then we get we were we had chilled breasts earlier. We get a much more baffling description here at least as far as i'm concerned maybe this is what gen z is really into in, in looks for men but i i just you know I, I wasn't aware i should be i should have been working on this all this time because she describes the sheriff as uh the sheriff with his dashing smile and hot shoulders might come around after all if he just wasn't so irritating what what is that what is that what what people want from a man mike should i have been <laughs> doing my shoulder broadening uh, your smile is delicious. I guess Thank it could you. be a touch more dashing. Thank you. I know, but my shoulders, I just like, I, I know. How do you, how does one hotify one's shoulders? Like, yeah. how do I, how do I up my shoulder game? <laughs> I guess it's just free weights. I don't know. Kettlebells. Sure. Yep. Doing a lot of them. Um, and that's the end of that chapter. If it wasn't so irritating. Yeah. Chapter 10. Mm-hmm. Brief, brief. <laughs> How is this even a chapter? I think these are both seven thousand word sections here, so um, okay. you get a you have to <laughs> you have to add your own in after you've copied and pasted from Lockhart. But um, she says, "I slept in this morning." There's these changes of like ten, I don't know, whatever. Feeling thankful that I was still alive after the party. What the crust and jam? <laughs> Who's running it? That's a good point. You slept in this morning. Yeah, and how close are we to Christmas? It's a couple days. It says it later. Okay. But what? Yeah. Christmas uh, is your busiest time, right? Yeah. You've got to murder it on Christmas. The bedroom so you're speak. sleeping in is, the location is picked because of this bakery. <laughs> One of the most notorious jobs you have to be up early for. Slept in. It's like, have you ever gone to a um, a 24-hour gas station and then you just go to go in and get something and it's just locked? Mm-hmm. And there's no one there. And you just know that like... Well, someone slept in at the crust and jam this morning. <laughs> yeah. I had to drive all the way out to the Hacienda for this. There's like, you know, a Dunkin' Donuts in town, and I make the effort to support the local business. But no yeah. more, lady. Yes. <laughs> $8 scones will not happen anymore. Uh, uh, but maybe Uncle Kid covers for her. That's all right. I got it. I sometimes like to spit in the uh, croissant dough, but uh, no big deal. Uh, but uh, the go back to the suspect list, um, which, you know, there are three and two of them haven't been mentioned in a while. The second ones are obviously Pastor Reed and Lorraine Reynolds, yeah. um, who both seem to be missing from the gathering room at the time of the murder. And she says, I suppose they both have a motive. Both would lose a lot if their secret became common knowledge. But is that enough for murder? And how would killing Judge Ed change anything about their situation? So those are the stakes. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, you know, true enough, I guess. 
we don't really know anything. Pa- the pastor's having an affair with a married woman. As the rumor said. As the rumor said. But then um, it, it is true enough. How does that connect to Judge Ed? We don't. Well, we'll see when we get to the end. Right, yeah. We, Ten- we tenuously turns out to be the answer. <laughs> not much. <laughs> yeah, because he's 82. So it's not, you know, the the possibility of a love triangle there would be very unlikely. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Ryan Reynolds is not going to be, you know, unless she's, you know, Anna Nicole Smith is not going to be falling for this 82-year-old type of thing. <laughs> um, a Sheriff Grayson shows up. Nice. Right after sh- we just saw him, right? Yeah, he, they've, they've, he's been a president every chapter so far. His hot shoulders. We just left his hot shoulders. Yeah. Uh, but now but, he okay. looks sharp and gorgeous. Jeez, yes. I've, I've got to stop thinking this way, she says, fanning herself. He looked at me and smiled. Did he know what I was thinking? What he's does looking- this guy look like? What is... <laughs> I, we know what he looks like. He looks like any given guy in a Hallmark movie. Exactly. Gen- generically a soap opera handsome. Yeah. The guys think, that are just, they tend to, I feel sorry for Hallmark guys because the women are, you know, they tend to be the focus of the stories and the guys are just like, I drive a pickup truck and um, I stay in reasonable shape and I look okay in a t-shirt. Yep, that's all we need. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I like that she says, did he know what I was thinking? Thinking like he's, you know, he's being like, well, this chick's really into me when he's probably being like, Pete Travis was that the name of the developer? I, I oh, gotta God. get what sheriffs do they carry? Note? I should get a notepad. That's what I write should, down yes. things. Notepad and a pen. Yeah. Is there a uh, one of those like shops, a stationery shop that has like mercantile in its name on this hacienda, <laughs> or like you know proper provisions where I can get you know an overpriced moleskin or something? <laughs> uh, and then so she's they talk and they look at the whiteboard. And uh, so there's, they're really drilling down on this now. There's only three suspects, possibly more that they could have missed. <laughs> but then she presents this. Well, some of this is gossip, but the ants have been told by several guests. So this is like hearsay on the, like, once removed. Yeah. Like, I hear from my aunts that they heard, like, automatically dismissed. Like Some of this is gossip, but, you know, then you would say, but this is true. No, here's some very much gossip. Like several <laughs> guests been spread to my notoriously chatty aunts. Um, and I think that is, it says, uh, Pastor Reed and Leroy Reynolds has been spending a lot of time together and seems sort of cozy. That obviously stood out because, you know, it's like, ooh, what have they, they've yeah. been licking yogurt, but not off the back of the spoon, <laughs> if you know what I mean. That, that is a, uh, that is word for word from, uh, from the uh, art book that they seem kind of cozy. <laughs> wow. Just, just go ahead and say it. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, it says, both ants remember Lorraine leaving after we found Ed's body. And one guest told the ants that Pastor Reed was heavy into the eggnog after they found Ed's body. This person also told the ants that Pastor Reed was seven years sober and in the same AA group with her. Verbatim from the book as well. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That was like, you know, an interesting detail. Like Pastor Reed's off the wagon. But, uh, yep, I think it's a... You know, the, the character's name is Jane, and uh, I think the pastor is Walter, or Pastor White, and Walter is Ed. But uh, those are the only things that got changed from that. Uh, from that. <laughs> uh, but this is uh, this is how you end a chapter, as you know, as brief as it is. Uh, no, I shook my head and shrugged my shoulders, evading a full answer. I'm on my way to visit Paul Turner. Is that his name, Paul? I'm on my way to visit Paul Turner. Would you like to come with me? Sure. 
dun 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 <laughs> chapter just ends. <laughs> sure it'd be great if the next chapter started and it turned out that was aunt lindy who had said sure there like yes. just chiming in from the corner of the room <laughs> hell yeah shoulders i'm with you hot shoulders hot <laughs> uh, property the uh just below the aa group is this 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 you give her credit for this because she took this detail and put it out of sequence from where lockhaven recommended it but the double dipping into the eggnog and giving her a sick and sickeningly sweet smile which we replicated last time that was also from this book here um just nice. not in the sequence that she not put in the in. sequence that's yes. her that's her spin <laughs> her little twist on it nice <laughs> So chapter 11, they venture to Paul Turner's office. I assume that the sheriff got lost along the way or something like that. Uh, and th here comes one of the most puzzling things in the book. <laughs> Help me out with this. I don't know if I can. Okay. I plan to return to the council and present my petition again. This is uh, Paul Turner, I'm assuming. The developer, yeah. But I'm telling you the truth. I never would kill someone. Strangely... Darby believed him. Wh what? <laughs> However, the sheriff didn't. He asked another question. And then it goes on. What uh, in the name of hell is this about? It's so bizarre. She turns into Ricky Henderson for a minute. You know? What? Darby believes you. But Darby wants to know, where were you last <laughs> night when Darby's house was broken into? <laughs> that is so puzzling. Yeah. I don't I, know what she starts the thing. I. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the whole book has been for the most part in first person. There was one second person. Was there not? There was you when you yeah. kill someone. I, 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 you want to chalk something like this up to the um, sloppy cop and paste job, but I don't know okay. that it is, you know, cause it's not the same character name. So I don't know. <laughs> I think we get one more of these later too. Another uh, bizarre, uh, you know, Bo Jackson moment. I was telling you, uh, I think off off screen that um, we're reading. Uh, well, we're listening to the the full audiobook of the original Christmas Carol. Okay, and, yep. and did a deep dive and watched the movie that was the man who invented Christmas, which is highly fictionalized version of how it came about. But some of it's huh. true. Anyway, he uses Dickens uses second person sometimes as a joke because he's. He, he has an audience and he's talking about what happens and he's using high florid language. And then he'll say stuff like, if you have a better way to say this, I'd love to hear it, but this is my <laughs> best expression of how it could be. So he just breaks the fourth wall, talks to the audience for a second, and then he's back into it. Thanks. So it does happen, but that's Charles Dickens. Mm -hmm. It's not sussy Jordan. So. He's earned, <laughs> earned a bit of license there. Yes. <laughs> the famous uh, line from the end, you know, tiny Tim who did not die. Like in all caps is there. <laughs> yes. That people like think that's weird when like Gonzo says it in Muppet Christmas Carol, but it's like, no, that's actually in the text. <laughs> he could do what he wanted. Which, by the way, I found out that the uh, editors begged him to leave Tiny Tim alive. He had killed him originally. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> that's a good what if moment. Yeah. Another good what if. What if uh, Scrooge had an erection the entire time? That's, uh, <laughs> yes. That's, well, uh, well, well. I'm surprised you aren't reading the audiobook of my version. That's uh, I'm hurt. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. So Darby is there too, uh, aside from our narrator. And yes. I don't know what's happening. Uh, but the sheriff does have an, I mean, sorry, the developer does have an alibi. He just says, I was at home with my wife. Why do you ask? Where is his home? He doesn't live here. So, he, yeah, he drove... Quite a ways. And his wife didn't come to the party either? 
maybe. <laughs> yeah, he was at his home. Uh, and this, again, the prose is just killing me. I'm sorry. Uh, this is the sheriff, I think. The Sunflower Hacienda was attacked, and they left a threatening message for Darby. It was a lot like your threatening message to Judge Ed. <laughs> the Hacienda left a threatening message? The Sunflower Hacienda was attacked, and they left a threatening message. <laughs> Assuming multiple perpetrators, uh, then. Maybe, just, uh, maybe not. I wow. don't know what that's supposed to mean. Well, <laughs> by this point in time, she has a lot to answer for. Yes. If we have the uh, the book hag, we'll be, uh, we'll be bringing her up <laughs> on charges. Uh, but yeah, he's, he has an alibi, and uh, they pretty much accept it and say, like, all right, you know, like, they don't go and ask his wife or anything like that. You know, he, he peels out of the thing. They watch him driving home uh, on the phone to his wife, but uh, they sort of just accept him at his word. Here's a good uh, uh, thing that complicates the matter even more. I didn't even notice the first time we read it. We left Turner's office and returned to the Hacienda. Seeing my car with fresh tires in the front driveway thrilled me. Simon is the best brother-in-law anyone could ever have. And this I only noticed because Hayden wrote in about this. He says, to confuse the matter, we read in Chapter 11 that Darby is talking about getting her tires replaced in her car. She says Simon is the best brother-in-law anyone could have. In Chapter 2, we learn that Simon is the husband of Marisol. This implies that Marisol and Darby are sisters. <laughs> in Chapter 2, it is stated that Marisol's mother is Lindy. It is correct. I, I like looked that up. Um, and he says, again, this is not conclusive. It could be a general statement that Simon is the best brother-in-law in the world, not to Darby specifically, but to some person <laughs> out there that might be his wife's sibling. If Darby and Marisol were sisters, Lindy would be her mom. But, like, obviously, these are aunts, and they're not sisters. So it's a very odd detail to put in there um, that he's a, just a generically good brother-in-law. Well, let's, you know, Occam's razor this thing and just... She forgot who she yeah. was talking about. She doesn't mean he's the best brother-in-law to someone else. I mean, Marisol was like a sister to me. One sentence like that, boom, you're done. Like, yeah. I never had any siblings, but she was the closest you'd get. Uh, but what you just read is followed by this, too. So they they left the Turner's office. They drove to the Hacienda. I don't know how far. They don't really say. Mm -hmm. But then they get out of the car, and she says... Do you believe Turner? I asked. <laughs> and he's like, um, I wondered why we drove in silence when we had just interviewed him. It just seemed like a good time for you to have brought up. Yeah, we didn't bring up val validating his alibi. Like I mean, you, you were know. just like rifling through my uh, my glove box and like commenting on the fact that I had hand warmers in there from two Christmases ago. Yeah. But you kept nothing. finding lint to pick off my shoulders somehow. Yeah. I, I had my suit dry cleaned like a week ago, so I don't really think there was that much on there. But. You were asking about like vague stains on my seatbelt. Like, what? I don't know. I, I, lots of people have been in here. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Frankly, that's you never of you now. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Turner never came up. I'm pretty convinced you sliced your own tires. Yeah. Yep, that's, I mean, we, you know, that happens in movies all the time, too. Like, uh, just you, you get moments like that. Where it's like, well, if this, uh, if this is playing out the way you've done it here, they had a long period of silence <laughs> not having this conversation. Right. Or uh, they get out of the car and say that, do you believe Paul Turner? Look, you asked me like 70 times in the car. I gave you extensive answers on it. Oh, right. Sorry. Right. <laughs> oh. And then another uh, bang-up uh, chapter ending. I looked at Sheriff Grayson and said, what do we do now? He answered, we keep investigating. Something will come up. 
End of chapter. Very short chapter. It all fit on one page. He's a terrible sheriff. <laughs> Doesn't remember who Paul Turner is. Says we just keep something will turn up. I don't know. Uh, but when he shrugs, saying, I don't know, those shoulders. Oh, know, it's so just, hot. I mean, they heave. Hot. God, uh, breasts he are know. chilling as he speaks. <laughs> He doesn't, uh, she doesn't know how to end chapters, but she certainly doesn't know how to start them. The next chapter begins, Marisol had made a chicken salad for sandwiches. Boom. I'm roped right back in. Just like Uncle Kid roping a steer. It's such an odd way of putting things, though. Had made chicken salad sandwiches? But no, had made a chicken salad for sandwiches. You've got to assemble your own sandwiches. Uh, you know, I don't only go so far. <laughs> I filled in for you at the bakery when you slept in this morning. I'm not making all of your lunch. Did you bring your own bread? No, I don't have any bread. I thought you were going to... I made chicken salad for sandwiches. I didn't say anything about it. You run a bakery. Why do you not have bread? Well, I slept in this morning. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, so they go back to discussing uh, Pastor Reed and Lorraine Reynolds, uh, because they, they keep saying, do you think Paul Turner was telling the truth? And then the uh, the stakes are... They would have, you know, why would they do this? They would have a lot to lose if everyone found out about their affair. I think this has been, you know, said before. He'd lose his ministry or whatever. Yeah. But it's like the affair at this point seems to be pretty public knowledge. Like mm -hmm. you've, you've heard about it from a lot of people and you've also gone and told a lot of people about it in what I assume is, based on Cozy Law, a fairly small town. Yes. <laughs> it's going to get out there. It's already out there. It's rumor and gossip is everywhere. Uh, I like that uh, Marisol says this. Marisol, her sister? <laughs> yeah, cousin. Her cousin. Her mom's uh, sister's daughter. Says, I suspect his financial problems are real. <laughs> said Marisol. <laughs> you looked him up on the internet. You're the only, we're taking this all from you. You're the one who said this. Yeah, did you read it on like, you know, Texas Freedom Report biz, or you know, was it a real site that reported on his near bankruptcy and his uh, leveraging to the hilt? Was it one of those AI generated ones that does a list of their favorite, uh, you know, failed developers? And <laughs> just pulled pictures from places. Five Are... epic reasons Paul Turner might be going bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> the reporter. Ah. Uh... Uh, but then she does fill us in here on the on the timeline. It says, let's just keep pondering about it. I need to get the Hacienda cleaned up after the party. It's two days till Christmas. There and I is. still need to purchase a few gifts. So just, you know, the, the, the guy does give a lot of advice about, like, Christmassy stuff. You could just keep drip, you know, throwing in. He's like, you should be able to, like, smell the gingerbread in the air. There should be decorations, carols, that sort of thing. Or you could just have a character <laughs> occasionally remind you that it's two days till Christmas. Yes. That really gets the spirit going. You could probably hear the Mariah Carey. Uh, but they do the, right after you read that, she invites her into town to do the Christmas shopping. And the robot language comes on again. Oh. Do you want to run to town with me this afternoon to finish shopping? That sounds fun and a pleasant distraction. <laughs> I am tired of meditating about murder and people who know who might be a killer. <laughs> that sounds good to me as well and pleasant. Uh, what, what is why? <laughs> One minute it's folksy, the next it's like tinny metallic robots. I don't understand it. Aren't there books like, you know, maybe The Wasteland where you're like, oh yeah, this is, uh, you know, T.S. Eliot, this is Ezra Pound here. Oh. Maybe do that with, this was Sussy and this was T. Lockhaven. You're right. Yeah, exactly. So this is, this is all Sussy when you start talking like that. 
Um, they, when they drive into town, we get the uh, part that we covered in real or fanfic where there's, oh, yeah. um, let's just read it again. Uh, they, they burst out laughing and holding their sides and cackling a very unladylike response, but they have seen Tommy Lampkin's red truck going down the street. Uh, the drivers have full 3d deer heads with antlers and brown D- t-shirts. They look like real deer driving the truck, but this detail was left out on the front hood of the truck was a third young man dressed in camouflage with his feet tied and his hand tied. It was shocking, but then it was funny. These young men were mocking the hunters who drove through town with their deer tied to the front of their pickup truck. And then she describes it as, while we viewed the baffling antics, the high school English teacher Kelly Peterson joined us. She was laughing too. Which then, so she just joins them. They're walking down the street, right? It's three of them, right? The kid... Marisol and her. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, dollar Carmen, I think the yes. six-year-old. So they see it. They start cackling. Then this English teacher walks up next to them and starts cackling with them, which I think <laughs> is sort of odd. But like, <laughs> 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 okay, you're joining us. Okay. Well, I guess these boys should get an A in English. Why? And then she, you know, she's just joined them. A few days before school let out for the Christmas holidays, the senior English class was discussing irony in literature. Okay, well, I asked the class to describe a scenario where an event is an example of irony. Yes, Carmen, we'll go right now. This no, 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 just hang on. I just got more of this. Most of the kids answered something like, "Let me give you the fat man ate his ice cream while sitting on his exercise bike." The six-year-old doesn't know what irony is. Stay here, stay here. Don't leave yet. I know you got a lot of shopping to do. But three of the senior boys laughed. And described exactly this scene, the one that drove away about 10 minutes ago. Yeah, they have not been here for a while. I've stopped cackling. What if the deer shot the hunter and drove through town displaying him on the front of their pickup? Like, can, is the story over now? Yeah, can we, can we move on with our day? We've never spoken before. I mean, I'm vaguely aware that you are Kelly Peterson, the English teacher. That but you weren't invited him. to my party. This is no. your first appearance. This is, and it's very strange that you walked up to us and began cackling with us. I don't know you. <laughs> I have a couple of questions about this. I mean, first of all, is obviously where you'd put uh, that scenario. That what if the deer shot the hunter and drove through town displaying him on the front of their pickup? Where, where is that on the iron uh, Morissetto meter? Yeah, that's true. Yes, like a five. I mean. Isn't it ironic? It's not like a coincidence, and it's not, but it's not really ironic. It's sort of a, it's it's unsettling. It's an inversion. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a Far Side cartoon of that as well. Yes. Uh, but uh, this also, uh, she asked for an example of irony. Most of the kids answered something like, "The fat man eat his ice cream were sitting on his exercise bike." It's a it's a oddly specific thing for like most of the kids to to have come up with. Not a one of them said there's a guy who was afraid to fly and then he got older and then he flew and then the plane crashed down and he said, well, isn't that nice? Isn't it ironic? <laughs> oh, so they uh, finally get away from this person. I, 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 she actually keeps talking. She says they must have been bored since the uh, high school football season is over. She never says anything like, hey, did they catch the guy who killed the guy at your house the other night? That's the only news about town. Because <laughs> I also noticed the crust and jam was closed for no reason. Like there was customers waiting outside. Yeah, I can't. They had ordered their Christmas, their Noel loafs, their logs, and uh, <laughs> they're just not showing up. So, do you, as the proprietor, do you do you know anything about this? <laughs> I drove up there uh, for the first time since I wasn't invited to the Christmas party, and then the store was closed. You're on thin ice, lady. 
I'm going to tell uh, you another story about my class. God! I like that. No. <laughs> Uh, they do go shopping. They buy a doll for Carmen. It says, we even splurged and purchased the Malibu house to go with the doll. And I assume that could be any, um, you know, brand name of doll that has a Malibu dream house. You know, I, I really <laughs> hoped that they bought like a really downstream version of it. Like <laughs> just someone called like Paula. and then, Beach you know, Betty. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Carmen's like, yay, until sure first friend sees her what the hell is that yeah i think that the doll's hair is dog hair that's really <laughs> that's really gross and unsettling oh poor uh, carmen um and then uh <laughs> they have this question uh marisol do you think carmen will have problems imagining santa bringing her toys after she saw ed dressed as santa taken in the ambulance and it's like no don't worry about that we just told her it was one of santa's helpers that was murdered gruesomely in our own home that she won't have any uh, any nightmares about that for the rest of her life she says she took them out of there quickly it's like i don't know how long to imprint a murder scene on a child's eyes like you know <laughs> yeah and would you maybe uh, think to cover the body as you wheel him out like does she did see him just dressed as santa bleeding still like on a on a gurney being loaded into the ambulance put a throw a tarp over him oh that's right she did scream herself awake a few times during the night i didn't think anything of it i thought it was just from the sounds of the home invasion that were happening and the violent crime being perpetrated outside <laughs> the, the rocks and threats on on rocks hmm. oh well uh and then a uh, uh, great end of the chapter as they uh, have done repeatedly throughout this entire section thanks i think i'll wrap carmen's gifts and then i might take a nap too these have been a few stressful days the ants are coming over for dinner Ophelia is making lasagna. So, I'll see you later. End of chapter. Question. The ants don't live at the Hacienda? Uh, I thought they all moved back to the Hacienda. That Yeah, I mean, it's a sprawling property, I'm guessing. So there could be... A oh, coming of, over. Okay, from like a an outbuilding. Yeah. The, ant, the ants live in a tool shed out by the... <laughs> yeah, but there's a vortex there. That's where they bless their crystals. <laughs> Yeah, uh, bizarre. You, you don't have the unforced errors on those type of things. Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So she took a nap. So chapter 13 for writers out there. Again, this is how you connect. This is the uh, the, the cement that holds your story together. Uh, she says, I'm taking a nap. I'm tired. I'm the answer coming over for lasagna. When I woke up, I could sense the aroma of lasagna. <laughs> Probably, probably by smelling it, I would get if that sense is probably the, the one. Yeah, if you're gonna pick, that's <laughs> from her bed. She probably couldn't see it. She probably didn't feel the heat from it. Yeah, I she put my foot in a big lasagna yet. when I stepped out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the uh, maybe all those crystals are paying off though. If she's sensing these things amongst yes, the property, I sense lasagna. But then she goes on to describe what that would be like. It smelled like basil, garlic, and everything Italian. She thought of two ingredients and punted. She went variety of eighties dance moves on uh, on lasagna ingredients. <laughs> it's not that hard to describe lasagna, is it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but coziness, yeah, aroma wafted, teasing my senses. Mm -hmm. The Ophelia putting a large dish of lasagna. The kitchen was warm and cozy. Everyone was there, ready to eat. The ants had turned on Italian music, giving the meal a festive air. They had poured <laughs> That's red wine. That's got to be from the book, right? 
Oh, I, I don't think so, because the book doesn't have ants, and I don't think they're Italian. So this is a little bit of flavor, but I didn't know they were Italian either until this point. Um, and then, so active murder investigation, Paul Turner's out there presumably killing more people standing in the way of his his development deal. Um, and this is the third paragraph of this chapter. <laughs> As I ate my first bite, the multiple flavors... Well, let's count them off. What do we have? Uh, basil. Basil and garlic. garlic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and the rest. Unfolded like a symphony playing in my mouth. Good <laughs> Lord. The rich and savory meat sauce, the burst of tomato goodness, and the cheesy, creamy delight all came together in perfect harmony. Wow. I mean, you know, I, I want lasagna now, so mission accomplished. Yeah, Wow. What am I doing baking pies? I should be serving up this lasagna out of my shop. Man, yeah. it's going to subsidize the rest of this hacienda. And she says this, which patently untrue at this point. I may be the queen of baking and the fire pit, <laughs> which is a new piece of information. Yeah. Uh, you're not the queen of baking. You've abdicated that. You uh, haven't baked once you, in this book. You stepped off your throne a while ago. <laughs> You are you not the queen of baking. Just say things like this. Everyone loves my baking. I never do it, and you never see that. But And the <laughs> fire pit where they had the Yule log? I don't really understand how those two are related. Uh, but thank God he's back. I was just, I had a note. I'm like, Uncle Kid, please come back. And then he, uh, then he really delivers. Yes, he does. Uncle Kid comes back. The conversation was lively. Uncle Kid announced... Some exciting information you might want to know. We have a new calf. One cow delivered a healthy brown and white calf this morning, and this new little fella's doing well. Already sucking from his mama. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> and that meat sauce and that lasagna, that's his daddy. You call it a symphony in your mouth. I call it a jug band in my mouth because that's what I prefer. Yeah. <laughs> Getting down, doing some hooting and hollering. But it, it's literally Sam Elliott talking about beef, which <laughs> yeah, is what's for dinner. True. It's pretty that's impressive. True. It's a it's a nice bow on the whole uh, on the whole character. It is. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, so then that's where they have this weird reveal where uh, they said that. Uncle Kid says, I think those guys that you saw riding around with the deer heads and the kids strapped to the roof, which, you know, by the way, if there's even like a fender bender, that guy's going to probably suffer some severe injuries. So, you know, reconsider, boys. But he says, I think those guys are probably the ones a few days ago that shot the snowman with the bow and arrow. And he says, like, oh, yeah, I saw t taillights on a red pickup racing out of the driveway. That would have been good information to have. Um, I mean, I guess there's probably a lot of red pickups in town, but. You know, for for the vandalism, you could Uncle Kid could go take it on him or something. Why was that never mentioned at the when we're talking about boo boos and boom pop <laughs> silence and all of that? Right. Uh, uh, hey, did you? Who did this? Any idea? Should we be talking about? It? Yeah, I saw them screaming down the road just now. Yeah, it's a thousand dollar thing they vandalized for a uh, you know, the centerpiece of our holiday decorations here at the hacienda. Mm -hmm. But and no, that much... gets dismissed, and then. Um, she says, uh, I laid back on a patio recliner, stretching my legs out and relaxed. I remembered the sunsets from when I was little and visited Granddaddy and Grandma here at the Hacienda. Was this before her father was killed in the unnamed accident? Uh, before both of them, yeah. And where's Great Grandpa in this whole scenario? It's yeah, Erasure. Where's... He's the primary driver of this action. <laughs> They're his great-granddaughters. 
<laughs> She's just forgetting who people are and where <laughs> who's they died were. that, that yeah. she had a father. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, she says uh, every sunset is different. Some have streaks of orange and yellow, while other have dark blue with patches of red and pink. God's palette for sunset changes every day, but never gets old. All right, like this, this, this chapter is getting relatively colorful. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, symphonies and mouths and sunset hues. Three paragraphs, yeah, count them three on the lasagna. <laughs> Out of nowhere, uh, she goes to bed. Well, she showers, um, and then she, when she gets out, she gets a re- uh, message from Lorraine Reynolds, which says, "I need to talk to you immediately. I don't feel safe, and there's something urgent I need to tell you before you. It's too late." And she sends her text messages to that same effect, and she texts her and says to come over. Um, and then she puts on a pot of tea. Uh, this is when I I confess to a laugh out loud at this paragraph. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Can I read it? Please, go ahead. Ten minutes later, there was a knock at the door. I hurried out of the kitchen and peeked out at her through the front window. I saw her car and Lorraine in her fur coat and her wool hat on top of all her red hair. I unlocked the front door and opened it slowly. Only it was not Lorraine. It was Pastor Reed wearing Lorraine's fur coat with a red wig. He shoved the door open and slammed me against the wall. He wickedly smiled and brandished an evil-looking knife. (laughs) Pastor. The pastor putting on a red wig. Yeah. So... You know, she drew attention to her fur coat, which is in Lockhaven's book. The red wig, I think, is a red hair, I think, is an innovation. But I don't know if it's specified that Lorraine wears the red wig or Pastor Reed had to go out and, like, found one that matched this to pull off this uh, this scheme here. I assumed that he had to go wig shopping. <laughs> so that meant you probably got to go to the next town, right? Like, Pastor, uh, can I help you? Um... <laughs> It's for the Christmas pageant. Uh, the, the, the wise man who brings myrrh is wearing it this year. Right. Is there a cozy mystery set in this town's wig shop? Like where this is, oh. uh, you know, the, the mystery is being solved from a competing perspective? Oh, wig mongers. They're cozy. Yes. Uh, does this happen in a movie like Wait Until Dark or something? Uh, I feel like that's yes, something, you know, the guy yeah, p- like puts, dresses trope. the woman and leaps out at her at something. Yes. It's a trope, but it's also uh, word for word. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, no. She sees Jillian's car and Jillian in her fur jacket, a wool hat and boots. Jane unlocks the door and opens it slowly. Only it's not Jillian. It's Pastor White wearing a fur coat and wig. He shoves the door open and slams Jane against the wall. He smiles and brandishes and evil looking knife is that in here or did she fix the no she did she fixed Uh, that that was her innovation good yeah she corrected one typo Um, wow uh the other thing i I forgot to mention is that the um the uh caterer who has a history of theft that was all in here too um oh right it's sort of his act one misdirect or something like that is like he suggests doing that so that's i don't think getting a social security number was there that was an innovation on her part which you know tip of the hat but uh so just to make sure everyone knows how deep it went yes i stole everything but i wouldn't be capable of murder okay eliminated as a suspect (laughs) that's a great innovation uh so so now they try to figure out where where is lorraine right mm -hmm. she's got her coat and so uh, Marisol said, do you think maybe he would have taken her to Lorraine's, taken Lorraine to his home? The sheriff says. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, you, you're, you're not going straight to him being out cold. Huh? You're going straight to him being out cold and the sheriff arising? You're yeah. missing uh, him kicking her in the groin 
and she throws a pot of boiling water at him. Sure. <laughs> and then she, and then this was a good thing. She, he howled in pain and dropped to the floor. One more bonk to the head with the pot. Do you recall the first bonk to the head with the pot? Uh, no, she had, she had, uh, she had not. She had kicked him in the groin. And uh, the one more bonk to the head in the pot is because T. Lockhaven suggested hitting him with the pot in the first place, oh, and then wow. adding in one more bonk to finish him off. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that's the uh, that's that that's just how she how she subdues the guy with the evil looking knife. It happens remarkably easily and quickly. And Marisol hugged me. He was out cold. Simon and Marisol. Even Simon rushed into the kitchen. Yeah, is it really rushing if you've, she's been able to do all this to him at this point in time either? Marisol hugged me tight, uh, called the sheriff, and then the sheriff's there. Yes. It's only a short distance between the hacienda and the sheriff. <laughs> yeah, almost as short as Aunt Lindy and Aunt Lucy's house. Uh, so, yeah, Simon uh, calls the burn ward. Thanks, Simon. <laughs> he really is a great brother-in-law. <laughs> to take care of Pastor Reed's burns. And then she uh, solves the mystery, and that's it. The so, sheriff said, so we solved the mystery. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Settle the hell down, hot shoulders. <laughs> we is doing a lot of work here. Uh, so more mention of the, the burns. But yes, then he says, like, hey, should we check? Where's Lorraine? Oh, right. She did call me in a panic. Do you think you could have taken Lorraine to his home? Probably not. His wife wouldn't understand, but maybe he left her at her house. <laughs> Sheriff, could you send someone to Lorraine's home to check on her? I don't know. Is it worth a phone call, maybe? Like, <laughs> we are actively looking for a person who might be murdered, might be tied up, might right. be, you know, can we just, just cover the bases? Like, nah, he wouldn't do that. Don't don't bother with it. Right, yeah, and probably not because his wife wouldn't understand. Uh, the guy, we're pretty sure he killed someone and he just attacked you with an evil-looking knife. There's probably a lot that his wife wouldn't understand about what's going on now. So <laughs> let's just, maybe she should be filled in about what's going on, even if Lorraine is not at the house. Like his wife is like, Pastor, you've got a lot of explaining to do with this <laughs> woman here. Uh, yeah, the uh, rolling pin uh, waiting for him on the doorstep. I mean, uh, I know about your murder, and I let that one slide, but this is too much. I, it would have been great if it was a, do you think he would have taken Lorraine to his home? Yeah, maybe. His wife's pretty cool with this kind of thing. Like him <laughs> dropping off a bound and gagged uh, woman in a fur coat, or borrowing her fur coat and putting on a wig. She probably helped him <laughs> affix the wig so it wouldn't come off during his tussle with you. <laughs> wow, what a what a mystery, huh? <laughs> Yeah, the guy that we pinpointed in the very beginning is probably having done it, turned out to have done it. <laughs> but I wouldn't have predicted him wearing the uh, woman's wig and thing to get into the house, especially considering he already came here and threw rocks at the thing. Was he wearing the wig and fur coat when he did that? <laughs> you can't rule it out. Uh, here's the, uh, so where do they find Lorraine? Bound and gagged oh, in the, in the trunk of her car. Okay, so she explains the murder. That's it. She finally explains what happened. And yeah. this, uh, this is good. I'm going to, I'm sorry. It's, it's a paragraph. I'm going to read okay. it. Lorraine said, Pastor Reed had a heated argument with Judge Ed, who was criticizing him for having had an affair with a married woman when he was already married. Pastor Reed got angry and shoved Judge Ed, who fell backwards and hit his head. The judge died instantly. <laughs> the, the pastor panicked and decided to arrange the boots to look like Ed was trying to pull them on. Then he fled the room. He tried to walk around the party drinking eggnog, looking innocent and normal, but he was too upset. So he grabbed me and we left the party. Pastor Reed told me not to worry. It would all blow over. <laughs> the, the, 
it's a true mastermind that was a, that was a great end to like just this like horrendous like what he's died instantly oh my god put his boots on the wrong way don't worry about it it'll all blow over yeah, yelling at each other like in witness. Like, all right, just move the boats. Move the boats, little ride. You gotta, put the, ride. You gotta put the boots on, little ride. You gotta put the boots on. I gotta go buy a wig. <laughs> oh, so it didn't. Unfortunately, it didn't blow over. Yes, he was caught, and he uh, really doubled down. I hope his wife is understanding of this. Even if she wasn't understanding of his, him not bringing Lorraine to their house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also noticed that people, you know, you get her out of the back of the trunk. You get the blanket around her. I assume you get her a cup of hot cocoa and uh, some warm slippers. And then, like, so tell us what you know. And then she goes into, like, five paragraphs. You're just like, I just mean, like, what what happened? I don't know. Is there a shorter version of this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, those roots of yours, no wonder you wear the wig. That yeah. is uh, oh, unfortunate for Ryan. Um, but it, it, she also offers this defense as her lips and chins trembled as she continued her story. Obviously, Pastor Reed terrified her. Tonight, he told me he would kill me if I ever told anyone. He probably planned to kill me, too, after he killed Darby. He was not a bad person. He just got in over his head. Like, well, I mean, you know, an, an uh, accident happens. Most most good people would probably not uh, immediately try to frame somebody and have someone in the trunk and be knocking out security cameras and slashing tires. Plus, you know, they don't give the ages, but uh, both Lorraine and the pastor are married, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. They're both having affairs, I think. The children? Like... <laughs> Once she pulls her from the trunk, like, hey, would you mind uh, just giving a ring to my? I have five children. Um, right. Yes. <laughs> Lorraine, Lorena, uh, <laughs> Lorinette. Um, they all wear fur coats. Well, here, this is a curious, uh, a curious unforced area here as this is happening. Um, Sheriff Grayson put handcuffs on Ed, attached to the gurney, and read him his rights. He said, You are under arrest. For the murder of Judge Ed Simpson. So he's 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 put handcuffs on Ed <laughs> and then read, read read Ed his rights, which is putting him under arrest for the murder of Judge Ed Simpson. So <laughs> just a, uh, you know, there's only like, uh, I, there was a lot of characters. Only a few of them actually had anything to do with the plot. It's probably a bad move to miss up the guy who got murdered with the guy who murdered him at the, yeah. uh, at the oh, climax of the book. <laughs> that's unfortunate. <laughs> And the attempted murder of Darby Grimes, who sometimes narrates and sometimes pulls herself out of the story completely. Yes, and maybe the daughter of her own aunt. Nah. <laughs> uh, Sheriff Grayson turned to me and smiled and winked. I guess we did pretty good at catching the killer. That man infuriates me. He would never have caught anyone without in- my insisting we keep investigating. <gasps> but my gosh, his smile and wink. And then you can read the final sentence of this chapter. I, this is, I'm glad she didn't neglect this. Credit where credit is due. After the sheriff left, Uncle Kid looked at me and jokingly said, I think he's taken to you like a sticker bird to a barefoot. <laughs> so thank oh, you, Uncle, Uncle Kid. Kid. Fade out on him. Circle close on Uncle Kid. His yeah. mustache and a winking eye. It's good to know that our favorite part of the book was entirely her invention probably something from our lives so that's nice um and then chapter 14 is the final one it's also a short one it sort of wraps things up uncle uh uncle kid sat in a big chair in the gathering room near the christmas tree with carmen in his lap reading 
not a creature was stirring all through the house. <laughs> so I think Uncle Kid has put away the rest of the eggnog because he can't even get the like opening lines of the night before Christmas correct there. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, where, uh, am I re- where am I cheaters? I, what, I, what am I reading? Yeah. Who's stirring what now? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> You're uh, a good kid, Carmen. I wondered the big chair. That was the one that could fit two or three children on Santa's yes. lap. <laughs> you know, we're saying Oh. Uh, they're eating their favorite festive fare of uh, tamales and pralines, drinking sangria. And then we get this uh, uh, very curious uh, tense change once more. Christmas Eve was finally here, and everyone was gone except for our family. Darby looked around the room <laughs> at all those she held dear. What? Uh, <laughs> third person yet again. And then uh, here it is. Marisol, Simon, Uncle Kid. Her mother, Lucy, <laughs> and Aunt Lindy. <laughs> so Damn it. It's, a, it's all commas between those. Uncle Kid, comma, her mother, comma, Aunt Lucy. Uh, sorry, her mother, comma, Lucy, comma, and Aunt Lindy. So she uses the Oxford comma there when it doesn't give us any help. She doesn't do no it No clarity. <laughs> oh, man. And then it's at, this is how it ends. Also, her extended family of Mikkel, Ophelia, Carmen, and Doug. Life is going to be different here at the Sunflower Hacienda from our life in Austin, but I don't think it will be boring. So third person and first person in there. But I had I, I was questioning this, too, because it said, did it say after her husband's accident, the two aunts moved back from Austin to help at the Hacienda? Yeah, I think so. And we also got this. After Mikkel, Ophelia, and Carmen left, only Marisol, Simon, and I remained around the table. I asked, do you both think we did the right thing by leaving everything we had in Austin to move here? So everyone moved uh, back after Austin. Maybe they moved after their grandfather died. The other moms moved back after the uh, after the, the accident that claimed both of their husbands. Is, the, is Sunflower, is that a fictional town? Uh, I believe it is because we got an email about this. Okay, because I think she, I looked her up and she, um, I think she lived in a suburb of Austin called Dripping Springs, which is where my mother lived for a short Whoa. time. Whoa, yeah. well, that's so brother. circle closes here. Yeah, really? Isn't crazy. Jeez. <laughs> um, well, that's how the book ends, but I mean, we have an email about that so we, we can get right into those. Okay, yeah, let's do it. We go to the party. We go to the game. All right. I'm just uh, as, before we get to the emails, I'm just scrolling down because there are recipes in this book. Um, if anyone makes any of Darby's recipes, uh, let us know how they are and let us know, you know, which site they originally came from. <laughs> it does say uh, this is a new series, uh, the first book in the series, the next Sunflower Farms murder mystery, which I'm writing right now, centers around a new business venture of Darby and Marisol. They are planning their first event, a scrapbooking retreat. This is an event I've uh, activity I've enjoyed since in high school. So um, the other characters at Sunflower Farms are busy with their own shops. The ditzy ants always have some excitement happening at their shop, while Simon is hardworking in getting the gardens and fruit trees producing food for the fresh market. In this book, we'll learn a lot more about Darby's profession as a baker, but also about her skills as a trailblazing woman pitmaster. So she's mm. a barbecue. Oh, um, that was the one. That she was said. the fire pit. Yeah. Fire pit. Huh. God, that's the only mention of it in the book, though. I plan for this book to be released in mid-January 2024. So we have got a lot okay. to look forward to right on the heels of these stunning revelations. I... <laughs> Did you read about what kind of icing she makes? She makes 
Um, our friends, yeah. our family spends one day baking sugar cookies and decorating them. We share them. We make every color of icing in the rainbow. We use the Wilton gel icing color because it creates colors that are vivid. Wow. That is, that's that is drilling down. On yeah. That's the type of detail that was completely lacking from the book we just read. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, wow. Anyway, we have emails from people. Uh, Brother, where is this first one I mentioned? Oh, yes. This is from Jay. The geography of this book makes as much sense as Minneapolis in Ready Player Two. You'd be forgiven if you assume from the prose that Sunflower, Texas must be somewhere hundreds of miles from civilization, what with the agonizing decisions about whether or not they leave to go seek fortune in the big city of Austin. They mentioned a couple times that the Hacienda overlooks Lake Travis. It may come as a bit of a surprise then when I tell you that Lake Travis is basically in the Austin suburbs. The references to the county judge and county sheriff sound very small town, rural America, but almost all of Lake Travis is within Travis County, which is where Austin is. The Travis County Sheriff is not some aw shucks Texas lawman like Joe Don Baker in Final Justice. It's an elected position where the current sheriff got 400,000 votes in 2020. And blessed be thy Donald Sobel, the sheriff is a woman? <laughs> So that's, uh, and, you know, there you go. If if this is correct, then deciding to move there from Austin, they probably could have kept both places and, you know, traveled there uh, in 20 minutes or so. Right. And then the ants are coming over tonight. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, we got this email from Drew uh, based on our last discussion. The recent slander of aged eggnog shall not stand. <laughs> It's absolutely delicious and would probably function as some sort of doomsday prepper survival food as it's chock full of calories and the liquor helps pass the time while you wait for radiation levels to fall. My wife and I used to make a big batch of it around Halloween, so by, by the time Christmas rolls around, it would have a couple months to age on it. It definitely, uh, he said, meows out the heat, mellows, I'm guessing, yes. out the heat from the alcohol and sometimes thins out the texture. We had found that maybe two years of aging produced the best result. Anything that passed that didn't seem to change it noticeably, but didn't seem to go bad either. It didn't seem to go bad, Drew. <laughs> Among the many things COVID screwed up is this tradition, and we haven't gotten back around to it. However, there is a single bod bottle of homemade eggnog in a refrigerator that is potentially seven years old, but is five years at minimum. We had planned on cracking it open this Christmas, and if you would like, I would be delighted to send you and Mike, mail you and Mike a sample. Any takers on uh, Drew's seven-year-old eggnog? 100%. Wow. Of course. (laughs) Yes. I I guess I made Forrest Gump's uh, disgusting Diet Coke, uh, Dr. Pepper um, simulacrums. uh, For sure. All right. Maybe we'll look into this. Um, You you can taste it on air, perhaps. Yes, I will. Uh, Let's see. Uh, We got this. um, Oh, yeah. This was from uh, Kate. She said, uh, while I was reading the rest of the killer Christmas affair today, I noticed the two ants reminded me a lot of the two older sisters in the quilters push back. You know, the ones who had the stun gun. I had forgotten that one of them was oh, always packing right. a stun gun. Then I started noticing lots of other odd similarities between this book and the other two cozies we've read, and not just the tropes you'd expect, such as all the protagonists having pet sidekicks. It's also that every love interest is a lawman of one kind or another. Urban development is always bad. No freeways or condos, please. <laughs> and even two out of the three books contain drug use if you count the hippie ant CBD gummies. So she has a little... Uh, uh, chart of uh, Quilters, Christmas River, and uh, Sunflower Farms, and then has all the various things that they, they share between them, um, including uh, old male relatives spouting folksy advice. Wow. 
<laughs> uh, and then the last email for, I'll post that in the, uh, in the show uh, description. The last email from Mark was a picture. He took it and appears some sort of mall. He said, sadly, not a bookstore. And the store is called just cozy. And looks like it has mm. a variety of, uh, leggings and, and sweaters and, and wraps and stuff like that. And it looks, it does look quite cozy. Large socks that when you put them up on a rest, they have something written on the bottom. A cozy uh, yeah. thing like, yes. Live, love, laugh, or something. I'd rather be watching Hallmark movies, yes. yes. Um, and uh, let's wrap the whole thing up uh, with uh, this uh, dumb sentences of the week. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. All right, final dumb sentences of the week for 2023. We've had a lot of dumb ones. Uh, <laughs> this first one's from Mike. God's palette for sunsets changes every day, but never gets old. And Mike added, things that change daily are usually the things that don't get old. It's when something doesn't change and still doesn't get old that you call that out. <laughs> <laughs> Valentari uh, uh, submitted, the back door was locked, but Uncle Kid took out his pocket knife and used it to slip into the space between the door and the frame. And they said, parsed exactly as written, I can only imagine Uncle Kid has no bones and forced himself into the space between the door and the frame like a cartoon character. <laughs> Uh, Jessica submitted, I threw on some clothes and put a pot on the stove with boiling water to make tea for us. She said, if it wasn't, if it was already boiling, it wouldn't need to go onto the stove. <laughs> uh, Craig submitted, oh, th this is from the, uh, from the recipes that close out the book, uh, from the best buttercream icing for sugar cookies that hardens. Uh, you really should need, sorry, you really should only need five tablespoons of cream. So don't get carried away with too much cream. He said, do not incur Sussie's wrath by getting carried away and using more cream than that in making buttercream icing. Uh, John submitted, I don't feel Ed will mind, especially if we find a clue about his death. Uh, Mandy and Augusta both submitted this. This is from the, if you keep going in the book, uh, uh, descriptions of other books she's written. Uh, this is her, her Sussie's book, Secrets of the Carousel. Yeah. From the painted churches of the hill country, a home for trafficked and exploited girls, Native Americans, an abusive priest, a German beer hall, and a character with Alzheimer's disease and more, the book is chock full of the stuff that makes reading fun. Wow. <laughs> and I think Mandy said, I'm trying to pick out which of these things is fun to read about. Wow. Uh, I mean, the beer hall could be fun. Um, you know, presumably that's not where the uh, trafficking and exploiting is happening. Murder, scandal, intrigue, romance, DNA discoveries lead to more secrets. Wow. Cozy. We might have to, you know, we Secrets might have to go back to back with sussy books. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd she take this one from, though? Oh, is I don't there know. A, uh, this is, are these cozy? What are these? That's a good question. I mean, the Gristmill series. I mean, it sounds cozy AF. <laughs> yeah, the uh, her, her socks, when she puts them up, say grist and mill on the uh, separate <laughs> feet. Uh, Janelle submitted, already sucking from his mama. Yeah. Uh, Jay and Alejandro submitted, when I woke up, I could sense the aroma of lasagna. Alejandro said, this sounds like a bad superpower. <laughs> uh, Justin submitted, um, said the sheriff, crossing his arms over his chest. Jim submitted, strangely, Darby believed him. He said, it's either uh, Darby started to refer to herself in the third person out of nowhere, or Murphy was with them and momentarily took over my narration, my personal <laughs> favorite theory. And Hayden told him... Uh, 
I soothingly told him, you're acting crazy. And he said, is it possible to tell a person they're acting crazy in a soothing way, even if they didn't just slam you into a wall while smiling wickedly and brandishing an evil-looking knife? <laughs> he also submitted this one I thought was good, too. We put on the gloves that I had brought from my bakery, Crust and Jam. And he said, she's definitely walking around with oven mitts on her hands, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only one that I didn't have was uh, that didn't was uh, I slept. I guess we talked about it. I slept in this morning. Feeling thankful that I was still alive after the party, the murder, and now the attack on our home. <laughs> I just, you know, I didn't even focus on the sleep again. But just, that is a, a good things to be feel thankful about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just read it again because it's so good. Maybe the sheriff, with his dashing smile and hot shoulders, might come around after all if he just wasn't so irritating. <laughs> a, a lot, lot going, going on. on yeah. Maybe it's like the old, uh, like, you know, baseball prank from the 80s, the hot foot. The, the other oh, deputies yeah. are always pulling the hot shoulders, you know, yeah. lighting, lighting matches and sticking it into his epaulet or something. Snickering. I recall my, my dad once said that he, uh, I think he got expelled from school for doing it <laughs> by putting, putting atomic balm in some guy's jock strap. Wow. Which, which is like, you know, that super hot, you know, like capsaicin cream, you know, yeah, pepper, sure. pepper cream. Yeah. He put it in some guy's jock strap and then. The kid, like that, act. that happened to the Washington Nationals, like within the past six years. Really, okay. to Steven Strasburg. Yeah, I yeah, guess it's a prank a, is a clubhouse right. prank. <laughs> prank, prank. He had to miss a start yes. because of this prank because it was so much pain. Caused My dad was expelled <laughs> from school for it. Oh, hilarious! It is. I mean, the, you you should uh, the the book you write one day will be will be quite the uh, <laughs> quite the character study. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Well, I think that wraps it up for uh, 2023 here on the podcast. Oh, cozy, man. We have uh, cookies to bake. We've been trying to make um, popovers. Oh, sure. And and failed literally four times. Yep. And so we've consulted every oh, This expert. is real? This is true? This is real. Okay. <laughs> this is our cozy. I'm trying to be cozy here. And they failed and they turn into little, they're just like bums. Muffin to bottoms. Yeah, right. Like. Yeah, and so it's very irritating. And we we talk to an expert, and they're like, "There's just something is deeply wrong with your setup," <laughs> because they're the easiest things in the world. So there's is it like something... a souffle, like a loud noise, uh, you know, causes them to collapse? No, they don't. They just never quite rise. Hmm. So I'm I'm like, are we buying like our eggs seven years old? Did we yeah. buy them seven? I don't know what's going. Haunted on. Haunted oven. I mean, that's what I would lean toward. Anyway, my books. I, yes, I think so. Yeah. Oh. I would say sleep in tomorrow and don't open up your bakery. That's uh, wait. You can't there be were several days. murders were committed in my oven. Maybe <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> no funeral. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and thanks for everyone on Patreon who supports the podcast. It's uh, we have a lot more to uncover next year. The bar has been raised in this final episode for crazy stuff that can happen here on the podcast. Don't use too much cream in your buttercream, everyone. Come on, be cozy. So long. Bye.